All right, and welcome to a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. I am your host, Eric, and joining me this evening, Elliot Axelman. How's it going, buddy? Um, great. Thanks for having me. So Elliot here, he runs the uh, libertyblock.net, I think it is, or is it .com? .com. .com, yeah. And he wrote a book called uh, Corona Fascism and Everything, which is like right up our alley over here. So, <laughs> uh, Elliot, what you got going on uh, this week, buddy? Same old stuff, running Liberty Block um, on libertyblock.com. Like you said, we have a lot of articles, videos, podcasts, and more. We have a weekly podcast, and we speak mostly about New Hampshire politics because – as we're going to get into, I've given up on the rest of the United States. So we focus on New Hampshire politics from a pro-freedom perspective. We're very much opinion-based. This week, we're working on a lot of peaceful separation stuff because there's a bill that I'm sure yeah. you've seen. Yeah, I saw uh, the, uh, the headline a few days ago. Yeah, and I was like, uh, I was even tweeting out, I was like, come on, Texas, they're beating you to the punch. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Do better. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I can imagine that's, uh, that's probably keeping you really busy. Uh, has there been like uh, much pushback from the uh, the local press or uh, national press yeah there's been some pushback from the republican leadership in the house the speaker of the house oh, came of out pretty strongly against it i don't know if he was against um peaceful separation exactly it was in one of the meetings that were the strategy sessions that i and a few others and two state reps were a part of and mike sylvia was a part of that right. he probably thought was semi-private or, or whatever it ended up being put online and of course you know the the antis found it and yeah. they of course took the clip of five seconds where mike sylvia sounds the worst where he was essentially saying if we're going to pass this legislation let's use the tactics that we have available to pass this bill right. and he said for independence there are a lot of conservatives not me but there are a lot of conservatives who are uh, anti-immigrant or want stronger border security and we can say that dc has dropped the ball on that for the last few decades and we can use that to our advantage. That's all he said, Mike Sylvia. And I know he's yeah, which, so he's yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. So it's it's simple strategy of everyone who wants to pass a bill, they do things to help pass the bill, you know. Yeah. And if it's appealing to various sides, you're going to you know do those things to appeal. So it really wasn't that bad, but I, I should have figured that people you know who just aren't that intelligent or nuanced or are not taking them at face value who want to make them look bad, like like. The speaker yeah, yeah, said, yeah. oh, he's a horrible, racist, anti-immigrant. And anyone who listens can hear him say the whole clip. It's a short few seconds. Yeah. I am not anti-immigrant, but some conservatives are. And they want stronger border security. And they don't trust D.C. politicians to do border security. That could be another way to help pass the bill with that. That's all he said. I don't think it was that bad. I think it wasn't the smartest no, thing I mean, to say. But it wasn't that bad, especially considering he thought it was a pretty private meeting that we ended up putting public because we want everyone to see all of our discussions because right. we have nothing to hide. Yeah, I mean – if you could be a fly on the wall for a Democrat uh, strategy meeting, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure I mean, there's plenty, that's not going to be any, any better. Discuss, yeah. Yeah. That's not going to be any better by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely an uphill battle. I mean, when I first saw the story, I was, uh, I was even commenting to some of my coworkers at the, at the day job. I was like, I'm trying to decide who's going to go first. Is it going to be Texas or New Hampshire? And the other guy was like, well, I understand Texas. Cause I think they have that in their constitution, but why New Hampshire? I was like, well, you know, they got the free state project and, and everything else. And I was kind of going through like chapter and verse of why New Hampshire would probably maybe go first. And then not like a day later, I saw that story and I was like showing them, I was like, man, when I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, I think Texas, the thing they have going for them is that, number one, they're a way bigger state, obviously. They would be like one of the top 10 countries in the world, I think, right. as far as GDP. So yeah. they have that, and they have resources where more than us, obviously, by a long shot. So it's easier to pass an independence bill if 
you can tell your voters that we'd be okay as an independent nation, whereas New Hampshire, there we would need strategic alliances and more uh, agriculture and energy trade and commerce and stuff. So that's right. the what first reason Texas would would possibly be able to go first. And the second big reason is that they have just more independent spirit ingrained in their DNA right. like each person because they, they were briefly an independent country, and then they joined the union, whereas New Hampshire was one of the original colonies. So they have those two things. That being said, legislatively, as far as the infrastructure of the government, our state government is ripe for really passing good things because they they have to do the will of the people more than any other state. You have 400 right. state reps. They're paid 100 bucks a year, so they're, they're really volunteer. And every bill gets a hearing. Unless they do some really crazy tricks, every bill gets a public hearing and gets voted on by the House floor. Whereas in Texas, like we saw, the bill was crushed to the committee very easily. And that's yeah. how most state legislatures and Congress works. In New Hampshire, pretty much every bill gets to be public hearings, votes, and everything. So it's very hard for them to crush it. So New Hampshire is the setup. And we are the most pro-freedom state. As far as pure liberty, small government, we are the number one state in yeah. overall freedom. And I've written articles with all the sources proving that. So for those reasons, I do think overall Texas has some advantages, but we have more. So I do think New Hampshire would be the first to eventually peacefully separate from the Union. Yeah, and that, that just also goes to according to size. I mean, you, you don't have the population that Texas has. And, you know, their legislature, I think, only meets like every two years or something like that. So it's very difficult to actually get something like that passed uh, through their House and Senate and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm living for the day where one of the states just said, okay, I've had enough. We're, we're going home. You know, <laughs> y'all have fun with that. And we're seeing it get closer every day. I mean, almost every day. I see yeah. another big influencer from people on the right, Matt Walsh, Dan Bongino, Ben, ben Shapiro. Sarah Silverman of all fucking people. And then Sarah Silverman <laughs> on the left a few days ago said we need to break up. And yeah. it's the one thing we agree on. We all disagree, but we agree on one thing that we disagree. We need to break up. So yeah. every day it gets more and more mainstream. Even a month ago, this was radical, only crazy people on the right. Now it's centrists like tim pool who yeah. is the ultimate centrist he's talking about secession like every tweet of his now hashtag secession in the last few weeks yeah people center the right the left obviously voluntarists libertarians anarchists but conservatives mainstream conservatives already in the new hampshire house at least 10 republican state reps have told me personally in private that they would support this bill and might even co-sponsor it nice so that's that's 10 that's a lot already and most of them are actually not the crazy wacko libertarians. The wacko libertarians in the House are afraid to show their two colors. Like the anarchists, they, they don't want to... to yeah, they don't want to rush it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the mainstream Republicans who are like, yes, we should divorce DC. I'm on board. So yeah. 10 of them have already told me they support it. I know another 10, 20, 30, 40, a few dozen support it, but they're a little afraid, like the free staters. There are yeah. dozens of them in the House, but they're, they're kind of afraid. And I'm telling them, already 10 regular Republicans, or, you know, yeah. most of them are regular Republicans. Yeah, 10, support it. Yeah, 10 of the normies have, have already signed on. So Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean that's that's definitely interesting to see. Uh, it's like I'm I'm just waiting for the day where I get the where the thing is like, yeah, we voted out, and you know, <laughs> and then I could just see like some of the the liberals from uh, Massachusetts that uh, you know are always up there shopping because there's was no sales no sales tax or very low sales tax and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, it'd be definitely interesting to see. I I can't wait actually. So I just just for the pure fun of what what'll happen on Twitter the day after, you know, <laughs> they would freak out, but. On the other hand, progressives would benefit as well. And I, I'm working on an article I just published a second ago before the show. Another oh, nice. article, I've written a few, but an article explaining why progressives should also support independence. Secession is not just for crazy white nationalists, you right. know, conservative yeah, yeah, slave yeah, owners. Yeah. It's for everybody. And if you disagree with me, good. Like if you disagree yeah. with that statement, good. That means you disagree, meaning we should separate. So yeah. 
it's it's a great argument because no matter how much you disagree, the more you disagree, the more you're literally agreeing with me and proving me right. If yeah. they say, Alu, you're crazy, your whole website's crazy, you're psychopaths, okay. So you shouldn't want to live together with me. So either I win or or yeah. I win. It's a win-win. So progressives should support independence. The, the biggest reasons are federal law currently has a between one to three years for possession of cannabis, one to three years in prison, and for sale up to life in prison for sale of a gram of yeah. cannabis. That's federal law. So yeah, all that goes away. Really yeah, the moment you uh, declare yourselves independent. So exactly. But one, yeah, once the federal government starts enforcing that, let's say tomorrow under a crazy Biden or in 2025 under uh, President DeSantis, if they start enforcing those laws, a lot of liberals will either be facing life in prison or they'll be supporting secession. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's that reason it's immigration. Obviously, they've been flouting federal law for immigration. All the, the many sanctuary states and cities from progressives, they've been totally violating federal immigration law. Once the feds crack down on that, and start suing them, imprisoning them, cutting funding, all the grants to the states, they right. will support secession. So leftists may not realize it. And again, I've written a whole book on this. I have the, the book Progressive Solution here as well. Progressives don't realize they support states' rights and independence and secession. They just yeah. have to think it through. Yeah, they, they have to take a few extra steps, as I, as I like to say. And, and uh, you know, I've talked talk to people from New York and everything, and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll dog on people from Texas and the South all the time. And I was like, well, if New England was like its own separate thing, then you wouldn't be worrying about what Texas is doing because you have your own country at that point. And, you know, and then they're kind of clicking with it a little bit. And it was like, well, the Civil War. I was like, well, that was the 1860s. And you think times were bad now with people not getting along? I mean, we had politicians in the 1850s and 1860s that were going outside and having fistfights and uh, duels over this mm -hmm. stuff. So, I mean, they were already coming to blows then. But it is pretty bad now. I think in some ways the yeah. division is worse. I mean, in in 1860s, I think slavery was a big issue. It was because the South was dependent on agriculture and, and yeah. slave labor more than the North. That was a big issue. And then the, the tariffs of abominations and stuff. There was, it was really one big issue. It was about um, states' rights, and, and slavery was a big one. But here, the right and the left, and really libertarians and conservatives, and then the authoritarian left, disagree on every single thing. Yeah, almost everything. They want big government and everything. We want lower taxes or no taxes if we're voluntarists. We right. want uh, homeschool rights. We want total gun rights and no gun control. We want no economic regulation. They want everything. They want full communism. And, you know, they want to eventually look like China or North Korea. So we disagree on every single fundamental fact of life. We believe property is private property and, you know, self-ownership and property rights are the absolute. They believe right. Everything is collectively owned by the government, and you should have zero private property. That's what they believe. So you can't coexist with someone in one country with, where they think your fundamental views are 100% the polar opposite, antithetical to their views. They believe yeah. your property is mine. I believe my property is mine. You, you can't yeah. coexist. <laughs> yeah, as, I, as Michael Malice has pointed out a, a few times, he's like, I I'm not going to argue with you or sit here and debate you. I just don't want to share a country with you. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> And it's usually the replies to all that are just is nothing but just like, oh, my God, my face is melting because you just said that, you know, this kind of stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah, a breakup is inevitable. It's only a matter of time. I think, you know, momentum and the argument and everything is on our side. So it's only a matter of time. In, in a year, two yeah. years, five years, we're going to be totally balkanized in separate states. And, and someone just reminded me the other day, it may not just be right or left seceding or something like that. The U.S. government's going to implode. If it's the twenty nine yeah, trillion no debt, yeah. or the dollar plummeting and the dollar no longer being considered uh, worth anything to people in the United States or around the world, and we lose uh, world reserve currency status or whatever, yeah. once it implodes, we'll have default, 
balkanization and states' rights, states' independence. Yeah, because you just won't be able to afford it, and there won't be any printing presses to print the dollars on anyway. So, yeah, at that at that point, it'll be pretty much every state for itself. And then uh, you'll probably see further down the line with the counties and stuff wanting to separate and become their own little city-states and everything. Mm -hmm. so. And as far as the dollar imploding and using alternative currencies, New Hampshire is already number one ahead of everyone else, best yeah. for that. We probably have, I'm pretty sure we have the highest usage of crypto per capita in the yeah. U.S. by far. You can ask the crypto six up there, but uh, I think some of them are still behind bars. So yep, uh, no, all six are out now. Oh, they are out now. Okay, some yeah. Pretty strict bail conditions, pretrial conditions, because who oh. needs due process if you can punish them before you convict them? Yeah, sure. So yeah, they haven't been convicted, but they have a lot of punishments like ankle bracelets and home arrest. But um, they're all out now. Yeah, we had I think the first uh, crypto ATMs. We still have plenty. The Fed stole some, but we still have plenty of crypto ATMs. A yeah. lot of stores all throughout the state, not even the crazy libertarians, stores just take crypto. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin, Dash, and maybe Ethereum and, and a few others. So people use it a lot. And we have gold and silver. I've, I've bought and sold multiple things with, with gold backs and with silver uh, one ounce rounds and stuff. Um, we have silver cards that are divisible into tiny pieces. So we have a lot of gold and silver and yeah. crypto. So again, once the dollar implodes, we won't be uh, struggling to find something new. We already have plenty of alternatives. Yeah, you've already got a, a pretty good chunk of the infrastructure already in place and everything. I mean, as, as far as Bitcoin ATMs go, I, I've seen one at a Circle K gas station down here. And I, I pointed it out to my son. I was like, hey, look, there's a Bitcoin ATM. And as soon as I said that, one lady kind of was like, oh, I was wanting to buy some of that. And I was like sitting there walking her through the process. And she goes, do you own this machine? I was like, no, I know a little bit about it, but I can help you out here. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I just like one person right there, as soon as they heard the the name and they knew that there was some kind of uh, rush for it, the, wanted to get a part of it pretty quickly. So but that's, that's good to hear that at least New Hampshire has got a, a good foot in the door as far as setting themselves up for success later on. So Exactly. So Corona fascism, uh, if <laughs> it, the last 18 months hasn't been a, a, a like a slap in the face of like, this is what it is. Uh, what's, what's going on in that book? I mean, are, have you just been kind of detailing the flip-flopping and the, uh, the stupid rules and everything that's come in place? Yeah. I, I wrote it a few months ago. I, I first published it maybe like five months ago. Oh, okay. So it's fairly recent then. Yeah. 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 I mean, after like a year of just the insanity, I wanted to write about it because I'm a paramedic and I've been in EMS for 10 years now. And the most of all the crazy things I've seen, the most mind-boggling thing I've ever seen in my life, in my medical career, is is corona fascism. It's the biggest exaggeration of yeah. a virus that really is very mild. It's very similar to the flu in, in almost every way, as far as transmissibility, lethality. And they exaggerated the hell out of it so badly that they've scared everyone into yeah. wearing double masks and face shields and social distancing and, and now getting uh, two vaccines or three or a fourth booster. And they've scared everyone to think they're going to die if they go outside. And especially children yeah. and, and children, the one big difference with the flu and with this is the flu does kill some kids. COVID kills essentially no kids. Doesn't yeah, spread so no kids. Yeah, statistical zero. It's like yeah. what point zero zero one six or something like that. Yeah, so they're safer than ever before because yeah. COVID boxed out the flu. So now we have no flu and COVID doesn't affect kids. So kids are literally safer than ever before in history, yeah. you know, modern history. So they should be less nervous, but instead we're making kids more nervous. We're making this it seem like they're going to die if they take their mask off or see their friends. And, you know, tell a six-year-old to not see his friends or uh, have his face uncovered for, for two straight years and you're going right. to F them up in the brain. So, yeah, the book goes through everything. It starts from the beginning of, of how it, it came to be. And it was in a lab. They were either studying for bioterrorism or for gain-of-function to just kill some Hong Kong protesters. Whatever the reason was, it was probably malicious. 
and eventually yeah. how it how it spread and and the beginning and and we got Fauci's emails to prove that he helped fund it in a roundabout kind of way. But just, yeah, I haven't updated it since um, the, yeah. the latest Fauci stuff came off. But we all knew from the beginning it was, you know, it wasn't just a conspiracy theory. Like you said, we knew that Fauci was involved. And now it's confirmed that he was involved in using, again, taxpayer money from you and me to fund a lab in Wuhan run by the CCP to yeah. create the worst virus ever. Not the worst virus ever, but a virus that destroyed the world worse than ever. So yeah. we talk about in the book everything, how they, they crashed the economy. In March of 2020, we had the biggest drop in, in the stock markets yeah. in, in history. The economy, the statistics. Yeah, now you um, got Blackstone going around to all the neighborhoods buying up all the overpriced houses. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, pretty much everything and, and the masks and how they don't work and um, just the, the social and the medical effects of masks and corona fascism in general. We talk about um, the vaccines and the latest update. I, I did a whole chapter about the vaccines and how they're not 100% safe and 100% effective. It's a lot. No, I mean, none of them are. It's, it, yeah. You can go to any vaccine and there's going to be some kind of effect from it. Uh, just yeah. nobody is is 100% uh, going to be you know safe and effective with all that stuff. And that, that goes back a long way. But uh, did you also touch on the VAERS reporting system uh, with the, what was it, like 30,000% increase in reports and stuff like that? Yeah, a little bit. I, that's my latest update. And it's a decently long chapter all about the vaccines and about some of the, the effects um, yeah, obviously, VAERS has been blowing up like more um, yeah. harmful side effects than, than ever before. All, all yeah, and just to get a mind. report onto VAERS is a jump through a thousand little fiery hoops that you got to get through in order just to get a report on there. So it, it's not easy. No one can just, you know, open up VAERS and submit a report like it's a Wikipedia entry. You know what I mean? I haven't tried, but I assumed it was pretty easy. The way the media makes it sound is that it's pretty easy and we shouldn't rely on them because they're self-reporting. But I didn't know it was hard. Yeah, apparently you've got to get like a doctor to sign off that uh, he thinks that the uh, that the injury or the death or something was caused from an injection and everything else. Yeah, it, it's not as easy as they're making it out to be. But so I, th I think someone had said, well, this number only represents the ones that are able to get on there. So that number is actually a lot larger in in real in the real world than just in this computer database. Yeah, that I have heard. And the, the things that I'm afraid of is myocarditis, especially as a young male, that yeah. seems to happen uh, 10 times more likely more yeah. often with the young males. So I'm according to Nicki Minaj, it's not the only thing that swells. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even want to get into Nicki Minaj. But that, that's very interesting development. So, two people, Nicki Minaj and Sarah Silverman, I found myself agreeing with Yeah. <laughs> in the past couple of weeks. And I'm like, what is this timeline? <laughs> yeah, well... I have a soft spot for Nicki Minaj because I think she's the best female rapper. So I do enjoy some of her music. And she's my neighbor. She's from Queens and I'm from Queens. So, ah, nice. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, and she has some talent as far as rap goes. She's she's the best female rapper. She's one of the few that's a decent rapper and female. And yeah. it's very interesting to see how as soon as she questions one of the, the golden calves of the left, they totally reject her. And now she's totally a Trumpist. Yes, so, it's just automatically. <laughs> yeah, they'll excommunicate you if you disagree on, on one thing. Yeah. So, yeah, the two things that I was worried about with the vaccine was the myocarditis and the fertility. I hear from a lot of friends that their periods are getting really messed up. Yeah. And if the, the hormones, estrogen and progesterone are affected and affect the period, they can also affect fertility and pregnancy. Yeah. So that's a little scary. You know, the, the fertility and pregnancy issues and babies and myocarditis, those are the two things I'm really afraid of. The, the other side effects that I've heard about, I don't know how often, the, you know, they happen, but I'm not super afraid of them. It's those two big reasons and what was crazy, and I mentioned it in the latest update in the book, is generally with, with how trials work and new medications and new vaccines, 
in my understanding with the, the CDC and FDA approval is they do take a certain cohort, let's say males of 50 to 60, and yeah. they'll take simvastatin, you know, a, a cholesterol medication, and they'll do trials, like ideally like a, a RCT trial with give a, a ton in a control group and a ton of them, a few thousand at least in a, an experimental group, and then they can see if it works and if it has good benefit and very low to little risk then they'll, they'll maybe approve it and doctors will recommend it and people will take it. Right. With this, Fauci said, and, and again, I have like, you know, Fauci said this on video, it, he did never did a trial with pregnant women. There were one or two, like very few pregnant women in the Pfizer trial, I think. And as far as they know, like the babies didn't die from the Pfizer shot if they yeah. have actually got it, not the placebo. But there were no trials with pregnant women. There's never been any, any vaccine trials with, with the new vaccines with pregnant women. So they shouldn't be approved for pregnancy. Yet they are, or EUA, the FDA is, is yeah. emergency use authorization recommending it and Fauci went up there and said I see no reason why it would affect pregnancy and kill your baby that's not a very high standard no. I see no reason why it would do a trial prove yeah. it give me some hard data he said yeah. I see no reason why it would kill you so if I give you some if I give you crack mixed with heroin that's tainted and not sterile and I say put it in your IV put it in your arm I see no reason why it'll kill you yeah you know is that a good enough reason to take it <laughs> it's like I'm not taking your word Jack uh, to quote the uh, the great and wonderful asarchist out there source can I get a source yeah. on that? <laughs> yeah. So, so once I started seeing that, this was a few months ago, when I realized that Fauci, I think I realized sooner than that, even before that, but Fauci's totally rejected science. I don't care if he has an MD. He's been in D.C. for, for a, a few decades, 30 years yeah. or 50 years. He's a politician now. When you're in D.C. for decades, you're a politician. I don't care if you have an MD. Yeah. This, so, the, the, the phrase practicing doctor, I wouldn't apply to him. Oh, he's okay. just yeah. a fear, just bureaucrat at this point. Yeah, he's a practicing politician. So he's totally rejected science when he says – Take something, even though there's no there's no clinical trial, there's no uh, experiment, yeah. no data. But take it because I don't see any reason why it would kill you. It's a ri- ridiculously low standard to recommend to pregnant women. And I just spoke with with my friend who's in attending at the ER the other day again, and about fertility and asterisk. Do you know any about any issues? Because I've heard from a lot of friends there are yeah. issues with the menstrual cycle, and she said she doesn't know of any reason either. But just in case, she made sure she finished having her last baby and nursing her last baby. And then she got the vaccine. So, and okay. well, I mean, that's just, with this stuff. yeah, I mean, that's just prudent. That's I, I, with any other kind of vaccine, like flu shots and everything I, I've heard of pregnant ladies doing this is it's like, well, let me wait until I'm not breastfeeding this child anymore. And then we can, you know, get me jabbed up or whatever. So, I mean, there's like a little bit of the thought going on into this and um, at least on the, on the street level, you know, up, up on the bureaucratic level, it's all like all vaccines all the time. Let's uh, push it until we make their eyes bleed with it, you know, <laughs> type of thing. And you're just like, it's like, man, I, it's like even as a layperson, like I'm in civil engineering, I shouldn't having to look up words like comorbidity and the infection fatality rate. I, I'm not, sh- I sh- should not be doing your job for you, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how delinquent they've been in like actually proving to us that it is dangerous. They talk about cases, they very rarely talk about deaths. And we know the yeah. deaths are overcounted. In the book, I explained three tremendous reasons why the deaths are overcounted by about a billion fold. Yeah. So, like, literally, they can they can very easily qualify. Well, it's also it, deaths. In the yeah, it's all, I mean, it's also the language too, because uh, I, I live in the state of Louisiana, and uh, one of the uh, big headlines that we had from a few months ago was, "Well, that we've got four thousand new cases." And you know, in my old job, when I'm sitting there, it's like, okay, so when they say the word case, what picture is popping up in your mind? And there's like, well, you know, someone in a hospital hooked up to a vent. I was like, no, 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 no. Somebody popped positive on a test. Yep. That's what they're considering a case. That 
it used to be when you said you had a case of the flu, it was because you were bedridden and you needed like medicines and stuff. But that this is you pop positive on a test. Yeah. And at least until Biden was elected, the PCRs were cycling it like 40 to 45 times. to Yeah, which you don't do. Yeah, it'll pick up like every small little piece and part of the virus that's no longer together, you know. Yeah, so they were overcounting tremendously. And then, of course, as soon as Biden was elected, WHO came out and recommended lowering it to 20, which is where apparently PCR should be 20 cycle thresholds. Yeah, I've, I've heard like anywhere from like 25 to 28 or something like that. It's like a, it, it, I hear different stuff from all over the place, but that seems to be about the average. And someone told me the other day, I haven't had a chance to confirm it or not, but someone said that if you take a test and you're positive, obviously your employer puts you out for 14 days. I wasn't yeah. positive. I was exposed to someone with covid my employer told me to stay home for 14 days. So obviously if you want to get back to work, because people like you and me like working, I know, you know, yeah. leftists may not really want to work. They don't <laughs> sit at home, but people who want to work, they'll take a test every day, right? Every day they'll take a test and see if they can get back to work and if they get a negative. So someone told me the other day, after I gave a talk about Corona fascism at a local GOP, someone said, Hey, do you know that every single time you get a, a positive test, that's another case. Yeah. So if you test five times in a week, they'll give you, you know, yeah. five more cases today. <laughs> Yeah, it, that happened to my young, younger brother who actually got it and had to be hospitalized for it. He was taking the test beforehand because he had a really high fever, short enough of breath. And, you know, he's already like overweight and got asthma and everything. So he he's like right in that demographic of people that should have died from this. And uh, so they gave him one beforehand. They didn't get the results, but they admitted him to the hospital anyways. And then they tested him again before leaving the hospital. So that was two positive tests that he got. And so that was two different cases, according to the state of Louisiana. So... Yep, that's one more where they overcount. I mean, the three big ways are the bribery. So they give, I think, CMS reimburses an extra 13000 I believe, and then 39000 if they're put on a vent. So for right. admission and ventilator use, they're giving them money. So obviously that's an incentive, meaning that clouds the statistics, obviously makes them not trustworthy. And, and the PCR test being obviously cycled 40, 45 times instead of 25 times, that inflates statistics, again, tremendously, possibly, possibly by a millionfold. And the third big reason is, when there's no test done or if there's a negative test, they say if you have any symptoms of COVID and the list is this long, it's 100 symptoms. Yeah. If you have any symptoms, they're also going to call that positive. So the yeah, symptom we'll just, list, I remember no a test. year ago, yeah. <laughs> it was like difficulty breathing and cough, and then it grew to include nausea. Then it also included weakness and rapid heart rate. So yeah. rapid heart rate, that's another way of saying tachycardia. Tachy means fast. Right. Tachycardia, it, it has a, a strict metric. It's over 100. So in medicine, technically over 100 is considered tachycardia. So if I want to say the patient has tachycardia, anytime they're over 100, which is not a big deal because everyone with any stressor in the world, anything stressing them out, yeah. will cause almost every human to have a heart rate of over 100 for at least a moment. So once tachycardia becomes one of the symptoms of COVID, every person in the hospital is, can be considered to have COVID. And again, yeah. it was not only tachycardia, it was rapid breathing or slow breathing, rapid or slow heart rate, uh, nausea, weakness, headache, very general symptoms that everyone has. Yeah. So if you've ever had a headache or nausea or weakness or felt tired, they're going to say you're COVID positive, but, but it goes further. Wait, there's more. Uh, but wait, if, there's more. Yeah. If you were exposed, if you're fine, if you were exposed to anyone who had any of those symptoms, any symptom in the world, yeah. then you're also going to be considered positive. Of course. Of course. This is how they, they were able to literally say that anyone in the world, if they wanted to say we have 7 billion cases of COVID, they, they could have using these three tricks. Yeah. And, and as far as the, the rapid heart rate goes, I, I've even sat there with my little, uh, you know, uh, uh, chest strap and watched a, uh, a thriller movie where, you oh. know, the bad guy seems like he was getting away and you just watch your heart rate just kind of start trickling up. 
And then, you know, when they catch the bad guy, it starts, you know, calming back down again. So, I mean, you can do that to yourself just watching a, a, a pretty uh, intense movie. So, Of course. Yeah, a lot of things can make the heart rate go up. When I see a cute girl, my heart rate goes up, I'm sure. Right, right, so, right. But the, the th another thing that makes this so troublesome is the deaths. So when a person dies, the again, I'm not a, a you know, pathologist or, or anyone, a doctor who writes cause of death. I can declare death, but I never write a death certificate. It's only doctors. So yeah. there's a cause of death or a secondary cause or contributing factors, but... Anyone who dies and either got negative tests or, or never tested positive for COVID or never got a test, what they did the same thing with the symptoms. So coming down from the CDC or Lord Fauci, whoever did this, they told doctors that anyone who had any of the above symptoms at some point during their hospital stay before dying, so rapid heart rate, fever, nausea, then considered a COVID death. Again, I can tell you what, with 100% certainty, 99.999% of deaths, most likely 100% of deaths in the world in the hospital, at some point during the hospital stay, those patients yeah, they're had have. rapid heart rate or slow heart rate or a headache or weakness yeah. or nausea or fever or difficulty breathing. They, everyone gets it. Right before dying, you're going to be called septic or ARDS. Before dying, those terminal stages of whatever disease process, you're going to have a rapid or slow heart rate. Yeah. Um, obviously, before your heart stops, it either goes faster and then stops or slower and then stops. So everyone has these. So they can literally call 100% of deaths in the world COVID. Yeah. And that's why it's so, so disturbing. Yeah. I mean, they even had a guy that uh, got into a motorcycle accident, but because he got admitted during the pandemic, they listed his death as a COVID death. I'm sure he had a rapid heart rate. Yeah. A motorcycle <laughs> accident in general, your heart rate will be over 100. Yeah. So it's tachycardia. Oh, I'm pretty sure he had a whole bunch of adrenaline dumped into his system when it happened, too. So Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these these scumbags, when they play these games and then sitting there trying to uh, talk to, like, one of your lefty progressive friends out there and, and trying to, you know, give them the facts, logic, and reason about this, they, they just are not hearing it. It's a brick wall. There is nothing getting through. And they believe in their heart of hearts that the actual death rate is something like 30 to 40 percent. And I would think I even saw, like, a USA Today uh, poll where they, like uh, – a good number of Americans believe that nine percent of the American population to die. It was like, it's like really three million people, just, just out of the blue, just disappeared like that. I think you would notice. I mean, we would have you know flatbed trucks coming by every neighborhood to to stack bodies to take them down to the to the morgue with the trailers and everything. It's like this isn't the pandemic that they're making it out to be. And it's the fault of politicians and their friends in the media, and of course oh, yeah. people who are who are uh, naive sheep who are impressionable who believe it yeah i think there was a poll and and democrats or progressives thought that the, the lethality rate like the mortality rate for covid was like 30 40 50 percent the real yeah. mortality rate is like 0.0001 percent conservatives thought it was like one percent progressives thought it was like you know 70 percent or 40 percent or something ridiculous yeah ebola is 50 percent yeah. um nothing else is even close you know five percent would be would be would just you know wipe out millions of americans though it would be insane you would see You'd have a lot of friends who died. And, and that's the thing about a pandemic. Like people say we're in a pandemic. Do you, does it feel like a pandemic to nobody, even my friends in New York City, where it got hit the worst? Yeah. I, I'm from New York City. I was there for 10 years. So all my friends back there, they're all saying it doesn't look like a pandemic. They haven't lost a thousand friends and relatives. I think we lost one great, great, great aunt who was extremely old and may have had a positive test, may not have died of COVID. That's the yeah. only possible thing with my wife and I, the only possible person who died of COVID that we know. And I know yeah. thousands and thousands of people. So again, even in New York City, I've asked my friends, are the bodies piling up? Are the morgues overflowing? Are the hospitals overflowing? Yeah. No. Obviously, Trump sent the uh, big hot Navy hospital ship. It wasn't even used. The Java yeah. Center became a hospital. I think that wasn't used either. Same thing happened in Atlanta. The overflows were barely used. Yeah, there was another one out in San Francisco. They brought a Navy hospital ship, yeah. and it 
I think it saw like one patient, but there was a guy who ran into a barrier nearby the ship, and that was just the closest emergency room that he, that he could get to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't really feel like a pandemic. But again, and this, this is where we get back to independence. We were talking about peaceful separation. Yeah. Everything that happens, and my dad just mentioned General Milley, the, the progressive left socialist yeah. authoritarians see everything 100% differently. They're living in a different universe than, than people who on the right side. Who, yeah, the sky on their planet is purple. It's not blue. So. What's that? <laughs> I said the sky on their planet is purple, not blue. Exactly. They, they see things so differently. They see General Milley as a saint for trying to stop uh, dictator Trump because he's Hitler. Yeah, yeah, The conservatives yeah, see him as, as a traitor who violated the chain of command and, and tried to uh, you know take over the control of the military from the president. With coronafascism, conservatives, libertarians see it as the biggest violation of freedom ever since like FDR. And the left sees it as, you know, the government's protecting us from the worst virus ever. It's going to kill us all. And they should yeah. be doing more. They're yeah, they, in, they envision more. themselves as storming the beaches of Normandy, you know, when they when they put on the mask and the face shield and everything. It's like, it's like none of that stuff works. Like yep. we could show you the charts where the just numbers go up. It doesn't matter if there's mask mandates. Uh, no mask mandates. Uh, the state of Iowa was like a good representation of that. And, you know, you would see once they removed all their restrictions, like the number should have, you know, skyrocketed, right? But it was up at the same rate as uh, Illinois and everything. The yeah, states the, that are the masks are totally useless. I have a whole chapter about the masks in the book and just yeah. about how effective they are. And there have been plenty of studies on N95 masks, so the good kinds of masks that actually yeah. do stop some things. And the flu and the flu virus, which is even bigger than COVID. Yeah is not stopped at all. And on fives, I think according to the book, and I can find studies literally in the book right now, the studies say literally all the studies on NN fives that it's negligible. It has no effect. It doesn't even stop some of the flu. So even for the flu, NN five is useless, throw it in the garbage, might as well not wear it. And so for COVID, it'll be a lot worse because COVID particles are smaller. So it doesn't help. I mean, if you looked at it under a microscope, it'd be like throwing a frozen pea through a chain link fence. Exactly. Yep. You know, that's 9-5 for flu even. So for COVID, it's even worse. And for surgical masks, it's way worse. And for the cotton masks that are lingerie, it's a lot worse even because they are yeah. not blocking. I mean, them. look down at your T-shirt. That's what they were selling in gas station as a mask. Mm-hmm. Oh, Haynes. Haynes was selling a pack of five of them for like three bucks. So. Yep. So that's the end of my book. The final chapter just talks about separation. It says, listen, Corona fascism brought out just one more big reason that that at least two or three sides or more, but two big sides in the United States are not seeing the same reality anymore. We're yeah. living in different worlds. You see, you know, Trump as Hitler and Biden as a saint. The other side sees Trump as a saint and Biden as a Hitler. Of course, people like you and me see them both as, as yeah, they're, they're, they're all just bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in general, like everything with Corona fascism, everything with you know, gun control and economic freedom and taxes, at least two sides see things in polar opposite ways. Higher taxes and welfare, you and I see as bad. The other side sees as a good thing. They they boast about how much taxation and welfare yeah. they have in their state, like California. So if we have one, they wear you know fifty thousand dollar designer dresses to a fifty thousand dollar a plate the dinner that says tax the rich off the back. Yeah, speaking of hypocrisy and AOC, who again is also my neighbor from Queens, right? Um, Designed by a lady who's uh, avoiding her taxes right now. So I mean, what's that? <laughs> oh, the person who designed uh, AOC's dress has been like tax dodging for years at this point. Oh, nice. So <laughs> I just love hypocrisy. I have a whole chapter about hypocrisy in the book. Yeah, just about how the biggest Corona fascists, including Fauci and Burks, were totally violating all of their. And let me guess, that was the violence. hardest. That was the hardest chapter in the book to write, right? Because you were like it was so difficult. Rambling. To find examples of yeah. 
So there's actually a website, and I feel bad for the website. They're trying to track like all the instances of governors and other fascists violating the the corona fascism guidelines. And this website has like a billion things, a billion yeah. articles, because they're trying to track all of them. And I'm like, dude, don't overwork it's, yourself. No, that was start making a list of the ones that actually are keeping to their word. It might, might be a shorter list. I mean, even the mayor of uh, San Francisco has got BLM uh, breathing down her neck now. So because she was seen in a nightclub with no mask on. And she was saying, I was just feeling the vibes, you know. He said that. <laughs> so, yes. She should have said that like Obama's big party in um, Cape Cod or whatever. Yeah. Were vaccinated yeah, and sophisticated. Yes. Yes. And all those videos. And I, I do like the ones where they show like videos like that or I still love it. And then they show like your kid being forced to put a mask on by a cop. You know, and it's like your child, you know. Yeah, some of the memes, like some of those pictures with the comparison of here's your five-year-old in class with a mask all day, depressed, taking yeah. away his humanity, no more relationships. And here's Obama, you know, and yeah, 50, living it 60 up. year olds dancing, yeah. living it up, dancing with no masks. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just had this uh, one video of the, uh, what was it, an eight year old or something. And a cop was like literally trying to strap this mask to his face, uh, to his face. And he didn't want to wear it, you know, because he's a kid. Uh, if I was a kid, I wouldn't want to have something that's on my face all day either. I'm not a kid. I don't want something on my yeah. face. <laughs> I hate wearing it. I'm, I'm in really decent shape. Like I, I could, uh, you know, sprint a mile in seven minutes and box yeah. for an hour straight, uh, like a decent shape. And the mask makes it a little harder to breathe. And it gets so hot from my exhalation, which is warm air. Right. It gets, my face gets so hot when I take it off. It's such a relief of cool air because it's like over 100 degrees in there. Yeah. And it's just horrible. I have a, another chapter in the book just about the downsides of masks because – Yeah, not to mention all the, the crap that you're breathing setting. onto the mask that you're now breathing in all day. Yeah. Yep. So we, we definitely re-inhale some CO2. We have to do studies to see how much, but we, re we, we re-breathe some of the CO2. So our CO2 goes up, our oxygen's going down a little bit, our CO2 goes up, and even a mild increase in CO2 retention and a decrease in oxygen consumption do affect you, and it will affect your brain. Low yeah. oxygen, high CO2, you're going to get groggy, weak, and eventually get brain damage if it gets if it gets out of whack enough. But yeah. there are a lot of other a lot of other downsides in the book that I talk about. Yeah, bacterial infection being a being a high one. Yes, the masks get dirty. Yeah, you you must be a doctor because to understand that when you put a mask in your pocket. And you put it back in your face, it's probably not sterile. No, no, not sterile. And I, I've even seen the people with it like tucked away in their back pocket, so they're sitting on it all day. Uh, then they get into their car, they throw it up onto the dashboard, you know, <laughs> and then then they pull it off of their dusty dashboard and then stick it on their face. Before I was like, no. Everyone <laughs> no puts people. it down on tables and pockets, even doctors and nurses. They yeah. put it down. Even Fauci puts it down on the desk when he talks to the Congress and puts it back on. Yeah. And Again, with a mask, the one thing we all should agree on, we used to back when we had logic and, you know, yeah. objective science, is that a mask should be essentially sterile, or not, if not sterile, at least at least totally clean. So the yeah. two technical terms in medicine are sterile and clean. Clean means clean. It means you didn't screw it up with dirt. Sterile right. means literally sterile. Nothing in the universe has touched it before right. it's open from the package. So obviously, like... Uh, yeah, like even in the masks, operating room, you yeah. know, the, the doctor isn't putting the mask on his face. He has a nurse do that, and she's not touching any part of it, even with gloved hands after they've exactly. scrubbed with iodine soap and everything. So Yep, and, and then I see the opposite, which is I saw another one of those videos. There are tons of them, but videos of child abuse. And yes, I will call it child abuse. It is, of it is. Forcing two-year-olds to wear a mask. And again, we've already established, based on statistics, and it's all in the book. The book has all the stats how two-year-olds are much more vulnerable to catching and dying of the flu than COVID. So if you don't strap, you know, abuse them and torture them and strap masks to their face for the flu, you should not do it for COVID. If you do it for COVID, definitely do it for the flu. So I saw another video earlier of 
I think uh, Dan Bargino was playing the video of a teacher in uh, a school, a playgroup or something, a two-year-old, putting a mask on them and saying, you know, Mason, put it on. It'll keep you safe, blah, 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 you know. And uh, Bargino commented that the teacher with bare hands is touching, you know, all over the face. Yeah, it's like all over the place, yeah. Yes, touching the mask, the inside, the face, totally, you know, nullifying the whole purpose for it, for having a mask, is to keep it all clean. If you're going to touch your mask, and again, medicine, we kind of know this. Now with COVID, we wear masks so much that we screw it up. But we, we do know, medics and doctors and nurses do know, if you wear a mask, you shouldn't be touching anything. You shouldn't be touching your face to scratch it. And right. even in studies of, it was either med, I think it was med students or it was intern doctors, when they wore a mask, they were like 100 times more likely to touch their face, 100 times more often than an hour. Yeah, because it's, they now, it. yeah, it's, it's on there. And, uh, yep, they readjust it and they scratch the itches. So that was one study years ago before Corona fascism, kind of making the case for masks actually make more contamination of the face with doctors than so it's better to have no mask kind of yeah yeah i, I mean at this point we can we can prove that just with the uh, the charts of uh, the cases and everything they just go up if there's mask mandates or not so yep and again what i've settled on is that it's just a virtue signal it's a symbol that corona fascism lord fauci and the gods of corona fascism are above me i am subservient to them like in judaism i was raised religious so in judaism you wear a yarmulke and it symbolizes mm -hmm. that there's always God above me. I'm never, I'm never the highest authority. There's always a God above me. And right. wearing it reminds you and those around you that you are a servant of God. I see the mask as very, very similar. It's not on top of the head. It's even worse. It covers your face. And the face is the part of the body that most represents humanity. You know, humans have faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fish and amoeba and uh, alligators don't really have faces. Humans have faces. And a lot of emotion and communication is done with the face. So covering the face is a symbol that... Yeah, because our faces were our first forms of communication before we had spoken word. Because, you know, point. the the eyebrows and the eyes was like, oh, who are you? Who are you? you know, you're coming yeah. over to me. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's a symbol that we are servants of Lord Fauci and the Corona fascists at all times, and we can never forget that because we have a big mask on our face reminding us. So it's a big symbol of religion. And oh yeah, one of the chapters, my favorite part is the, the Ten Commandments. So oh, yes. now that yeah, we're, we're just going to violate every single one of them. Yeah. So. Down must social distance at all times, wear a mask at all times. Lord Fauci is our Lord and Savior, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, he, he is a jealous God. He wants no other gods before him, right? So, <laughs> yeah, and even he said, uh, it's like, well, if you're attacking me, you're attacking science. And I was like, I just saw that quote. Yeah, that, that's something a uh, dictator would say. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I'm pretty sure we could go on and on and on about this until the cows come home. And it's, it's like at this point, it's like I, I have nowhere else to go. You know, it's yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to forever. I, I think again, like the last part of the book, and, and every book I write, the last the last few sentences is are the same. They say blah blah blah, and that is why we need peaceful separation yes. from the authoritarians. That's the only solution. Yeah, I mean, there's just that there's no other political avenue that you can think of. Even if you're like voting on your local election in your like city council and stuff like that. Yeah, you have a little more sway at that local level, but uh, at, at the end of the day, it's it's not getting like the big stuff done. But if you separate and you get away from the cancer that is the District of Columbia, uh, then your chances go up. You know, I was even uh, Hannah Cox was uh, was online earlier, and she was like, "Well, where do libertarians go?" Because you know, DeSantis is is not the you know a libertarian uh, saint. Neither is. Uh, Greg Abbott in Texas and everything. I was like, yeah, but I would much rather live in Florida than New York or Massachusetts or California. 
Yeah, so that's a great point. It reminds me of something I talk about a lot on the podcast and in my articles and books. Right now, Florida is very free. New Hampshire is the number one freest place. Yeah. Texas is pretty good. South Dakota is pretty good. And you just said what a lot of people say, if they were independent, they still would not be perfect. Now, yeah. so I'm not trying to New obtain Hampshire, perfection. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I just want better. <laughs> yeah, currently in New Hampshire, 99.9% .9 of things that affect my life negatively, that upset me as far as politics, are actually federal laws. So once we yeah. become independent, I will be pretty much in paradise, for instance. And again, all my books are about this. Like literally every book I have here yeah. it explains this stuff in just you know, different, um, <laughs> different exact ways. Corona fascism, presumed guilty. I'm going to publish this soon, hopefully, when my publisher publishes it. It explains criminal justice. Nice. Do you dislike some things about criminal justice, how we're presumed guilty, how we have no due process? Those right. are all federal issues. D.C. politicians created yeah. those. What else do we have here? Oh, taxation. This talks about how much I love taxation. Yes, yes, of course. Obviously, we know that most taxation, especially for New Hampshire residents, is federal. We have no income tax or, or sales tax. So it's federal. Once we break away from them, we can have no taxes. This is you know, how they divide and conquer us. Again, federal issues. This yeah. is for a progressive, progressive solution, why progressives should succeed. So <laughs> everything in all my books, and I'm working on a few more books, almost every <laughs> issue we have is actually coming from D.C., even if you don't realize it. A lot of issues are from grants from D.C. or federal yes. laws or federal court rulings. Almost every issue in New Hampshire and probably the same for you. So many yeah. things that affect us negatively. For instance, we have no gun laws in New Hampshire. There's no restrictions. But I can't have an SBR with a suppressor. Why? Yeah, because it's laws, a right? National so, Firearms Act. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's federal. Once we become independent, all those stuff will go away. Right now I have almost no taxes, but I do have 30% effective tax burden. Why? Federal income oh, yeah. tax. Federal so income all, tax. All yeah. these issues, and again, so many different books here. You know, like like six books, were and you know hundreds of articles explaining that so many issues you might think are local. Oh, but my local police suck. They have sobriety checkpoints. No, that's federal. Yeah, sobriety checkpoints in New Hampshire and in every state. Generally speaking, from what I've seen, sobriety checkpoints, the local cops do them and they take some blame. They deserve some blame, but the money from that is federal. So the yeah. federal DHS gives around a million dollars per checkpoint. And they tell local cops, you have to use it on a sobriety checkpoint. Yeah. Once the feds are out of the picture and we sever ties and divorce them, there won't be any connection. They won't be yeah. driving your local cops to abuse you. So, so many things people don't realize are federal problems are actually federal. Once we become independent, almost all of our problems do go away. So, yes, the feds are responsible for all of our problems. Yeah. Uh, it's like the old uh, uh, Rothbard T-shirt where it says, uh, I've got 99 problems and the state caused all of them. You know, so. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And just with the federal government alone, uh, Louisiana was the last state to have the 18-year-old uh, drinking limit. So you, it, if you're 18 years old, you can walk in, you can buy a beer, you can drink it on the premises and leave and everything. Uh, and in order to get them on board with the new 21-year-old uh, uh, restriction, they, they said they were going to withhold highway funds. Exactly. So, so, yeah, so. the federal DOT giving like a billion dollars a year to every state DOT, that's leverage. And I was just talking to someone else about CMS. The federal government is so smart, the moment they've, they've ingrained their tentacles into everything, so now almost every industry and every business is a public-private partnership. So you don't even yeah. know where Facebook ends and the government begins because they're a symbiotic relationship. But with the grants, with CMS give, paying reimbursement for Medicaid and Medicare, you know, most things are reimbursed by Medicare and Medicaid, they have so much leverage with the DOT grants to the state DOTs, DHS to state police and yeah. state DHS, all these grants, HHS to state HHS, 
all these grants are leverage. If I'm giving you a million dollars a year, I have leverage over you. I can tell you to do what I desire, and you will. You have to because you can't afford to lose the money you've come to rely on. And just just the grants, I wrote, one of my first articles years ago was about grants. And obviously, you understand this stuff. Like with, with uh, 18-year-old drinking age for alcohol and seatbelt laws and speed limits, the feds have so many different tools, mostly money. They have so many tools to leverage states to do what they want. So, And ultimately, with, with nullification, because you know some states like Texas recently and a few other states, I think, nullified some federal gun laws. I love nullification. People say we don't need to secede. We need nullification. Yes, yes and no. Nullification is eventually going to piss off the feds. If we nullify federal laws, the the D.C. politicians, like Biden especially, will withhold funds. If you won't follow my laws, I'll withhold funds. The next step is withholding taxings, not giving taxes to the federal government, at which point we have seceded. Once yeah. you no longer obey their laws or pay their taxes, you're independent. So I think nullification is the first step of the three-step plan to secede, if you want to put it that way. So yeah. either we can be independent or we can do it the three-step plan. Either way is fine. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. And uh, I don't know if you know uh, Legal Man. Uh, he has his own uh, – yeah, he has his own um, – uh, podcast and it's called the the quash and he you know he's been a practicing lawyer for like 30 years and everything and he was even putting out he was like he's like well one thing that you can do to fix it is just make sure that uh, every year every state has to come to a 75 percent we're going to stay in the union you know every every couple of years or something and if you don't show up to vote then it's an automatic uh no i don't want to stay <laughs> that is a fantastic idea i yeah. i have mentioned this I think Daniel Miller mentioned it to me first, but I, I might have thought of it as well. And I've written a few articles about this concept of not quite as smart as you put it. That's a great way to put it, like affirmatively yeah. vote that you want to stay. And I thought of you know asking people, because Daniel Miller wrote an article we published on Liberty Block, about if you were not part of the union, would you vote to join the union? If your state were currently a self-governing nation, would you vote to be annexed by the union? And when you ask it that way, almost everyone says no. No, I would want to join the union run by bastards like Biden and Pelosi and yeah. Trump and Clinton. That's $29 trillion in debt. I would not want to join. So, But we're currently in, so why leave? It's like relationships. Would you stay with your wife? No, she's a fat old schlub. But would yeah. you leave? No, leaving is too hard. A divorce is complicated. But you know, if you weren't with her, would you start dating her now? Hell no. So you know, it's a different way to pose it, which is interesting. But that's a great idea. Because here's what I wrote. One of the smartest things I ever said. In my big article that's now been seen like 17,000 times, the one that went viral about the independence bill, I wrote one paragraph that I didn't realize how, how smart it was. It said, New Hampshire residents have not had a chance to reevaluate their status in the union and their relationship with DC politicians in 240 years. 240 yeah. years ago, we decided we haven't had a chance to even reevaluate whether we still want to be in the union. So it's time for us to have another vote because the bill would just put it on the ballot so we can vote. It's not a bill to succeed. It's a bill to let people vote on whether they want to remain in the union. So thinking of it that way, like, yes, we should have a chance to reevaluate your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, married couples and, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend type stuff, but they do this all the time. You know, if that's like, it's like, well, he's getting text messages at odd hours of the night and he's not letting me see what those are. <laughs> you know, every, in a relationship with a, uh, a boy and a girl or a husband and a wife, every instant, every minute, you have a chance to reevaluate whether you want to stay with them. Right now, my wife could leave in a minute. Yeah, we call those deal breakers. Yeah. Imagine if I said you can't leave for 240 years, you know, a lifetime, yeah. <laughs> and you can't even reevaluate our relationship. Yeah. You cannot leave. It, you know, it's incomprehensible. That, it wouldn't make sense. Right. And we, we have a word for this. We call those uh, domestic violence situations. Slavery, you know, kidnapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, 
so I've got like a five-year-old daughter and one of my little pieces of information for her when she gets a little bit older is like, okay, make sure you have a job and a car so that if any moment it's going south, you can leave. Mm -hmm. Please do. So, but uh, I think that's going to be about it for this evening. Uh, Mr. Axelman from the great state of New Hampshire, uh, go ahead and drop all your plugs, buddy. Yeah, thank you. So thanks so much for having me. You can find me at libertyblock.com and we're on Facebook and Twitter and all the social medias as well. Check out the books on Amazon. If you look for Alu Axelman or Elliot Axelman, Alu's my nickname, you can find the books. Defiance Press and Publishing, so uh, defiancepress.com, I believe. They published a book and they're working on it because I originally self-published it as the plague that must not be questioned. So it's currently still on Amazon as both. If you look for Corona Fascism or look for my name, you should be able to find it and hopefully come into Barnes & Noble and other local bookstores soon too. Well, that's great. That's great. And hopefully the lefty progressive types won't be going over there to like hide your book and like the, you know, cookbooks and everything. So I've heard some horror stories. But uh, thanks, man, for uh, coming on and uh, letting us know what's going on up there in the uh, the great state of New Hampshire, especially with all this news about them uh, possibly getting out with you know with their sanity intact. So uh, thanks, man. We'll see you around the timeline. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, no problem. All right, and there he goes. Hello, Axelman. Wrote some really great, great books there, and I hope you guys uh, go over there and check it out. But uh, if you check down and below in the show notes, you'll be able to find all of his links and uh, deets and everything there. Uh, that was a great conversation. Uh, I've got to have some more like free state people on the show because that is, that's like my white pill uh, for this whole month, really. <laughs> but uh, anyways, guys, if you always want to check out what I'm doing, uh, just head on over to the website, uh, rebelwithcausepodcast.com, where you can find all the back episodes. You can head on over to YouTube. I don't know if this episode will stay up there. If it doesn't, I will post a video that will just say, go on over to Odyssey. That's O-D-Y-S-E-E. And uh, I'll have the video up there as well. Uh, also, you guys can uh, check me out on uh, the Twitters. I, I have uh, Twitter at RWAC Podcast, R-W-A-C Podcast. Uh, also on float.app and as Minds as well, Minds.com. So other than that, guys, if you guys want a, a delicious coffee, which is what I drink before coming on to the show so I can stay uh, conscious and aware, uh, head on over to Lorenzotti.coffee. Put in my promo code RWAC at checkout for 10% off of their great and wonderful coffee. Any order over 15 bucks, automatically free shipping. And you can't beat that deal with a stick. So anyways, guys, take it easy, and we'll come at you next week with a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out. Out.